Welcome to day number 15 of the 21 Days of Prayer campaign. And uh, take a moment during this last week, at the start of this last week, to invite someone to join you um, for this last week of prayer time. And of course, you can send them back to the beginning of the campaign uh, via the website. Um, today in our devotion, I want to look at some of the tendencies that we have in church life to kind of fall into habits, um, even right habits and good habits, but to unintentionally begin to depend on the habits themselves more than the God that the habits are supposed to point us to. Um, so we have habits of prayer and of church attendance and Bible reading and small group attendance, any aspect of Christian life. But at some point, we have to reorient ourselves. And we're, if we're not careful, we can begin existing to complete the habits instead of the habits existing to make us complete. And prayer is one of those habits that we can abuse in this way. Um, prayer in its simplest form, now think about this, prayer in its simplest form is simply a conversation with God. And I know that that seems a little casual, a little Sunday schoolish. Um, it might even feel like, you know, prayer has to be more than that. But think about this. If God's children exist all over the world, in, in rich places and poor places, then prayer cannot require resources. If God's children come from all kinds of backgrounds, from educated and uneducated backgrounds, across across the whole IQ spectrum and good speakers and those for whom conversation is difficult, then prayer has to be accessible to every child of God. Prayer is by definition a way for poor and rich and those who speak well and those who struggle to find words. Prayer is available to us all. And at some point, we have to remind ourselves that we do not exist to pray, but rather that prayer exists for us. Prayer is a God-given vehicle that carries us close to Him. It's a way for us to get close to the source of our joy and our salvation. I was reminded of the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed. And if you're familiar with the story of Jesus' career, it was at a wedding. Um, Jesus and his mother and family were somehow close to the bride and groom, and that's how these weddings worked back then. It would be a multi-day party where the families would spend a lot of time getting to know each other. And there would be a lot of wine and a lot of laughter and a lot of celebration. And Jesus was there with his mom and actually his new disciples were there. He hadn't quite launched his public career yet, but they were all gathered and he had called them to follow him. Um, but it's toward the end of the celebration. They may have been together for more than hours. They may have been together for days, actually. And Mary comes to him with some embarrassing news for the bride and groom. They've run out of wine. So the party will soon be ending and there will be the inevitable questions of how this could have happened and the groom will be shamed and the family of the groom will be embarrassed and the guests will leave sooner than planned and probably talk about the disaster the whole way home. And Jesus looks at his mother Mary and he asks, why are you telling me? And it's almost like Mary just speaks right past his reluctance and she tells the attendants that are nearby, listen, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So now Jesus is torn, and we kind of get this tension as we read the story. His hour hasn't come yet. This wasn't the way that he was planning to make his introduction. This wasn't the time for his identity or his power, his connection to the Father to be put on display. But on the other hand, he loved these people. They had invited him here. They had opened their home and their happiness to him. So shouldn't he now not share in their anxiety? And so he ordered the attendants to fill some pots with water, and to everyone's amazement, once they were filled to the top, wine came spilling over the top, about 150 gallons of it. And the guests were amazed when they tasted the wine. They couldn't believe that the groom had been holding out on them. Why did you save the best for last? You're supposed to give the best wine up front while people's taste buds are still a little bit picky. 
So imagine the extreme relief that the bride and groom felt now. Imagine the relief at the close miss with the embarrassment and the shame. Their young reputation because of Jesus was now intact, and they owed it all to him. He was the one who made it possible, and all they had done was invite him. So there was no duty in their minds when they went to him to say thank you. When they came to him to say thanks, they did not make their way slowly, I'm sure. I'm certain that they were not looking for something, anything at all, to distract them from this very enjoyable act of saying thank you to someone who had done something so wonderful for them. In other words, they saw Jesus as a source of joy. And they didn't really see the conversation with him at all. The conversation was simply a means to the person. Maybe we can put it this way. They didn't think about prayer at all. Their hearts were filled to the brim with love for the person, not the prayer. They went to the source of their blessing. And when they went to the source, they had the privilege of being close to a comforter. And sometimes we forget that it is meant to be a conversation with the source, the source of our new joy, the source of our new life, the source of new stories and new families. We've been invited uh, by him to be part or rather, we have invited him to be part of our new beginning. And now that he has showed up in the most amazing way, we are privileged to come close to him. We are privileged to have his ear because we have found out that we have his heart. In other words, when you pray, get your mind off of prayer and start thinking about the person to whom you're praying. It's time to reorient our habit. It's time to rethink our habit and remember that this habit was given to bring us close to him. For your Bible time today, uh, it might help you to go to John chapter 2, verses 1 and 11 and read the story of Jesus at the wedding. Um, but imagine what it would have been like to, been, to be there. Imagine what it would have been like to witness the first ever miracle by Jesus. And it was so unexpected. And uh, maybe from this side of a short ministry, it really seems a little unnecessary. But then think of what it meant to that family. Think of what it says about how deeply involved Jesus wants to be in our lives, not just in the great things, but also in the small things. I hope you enjoy day number 15, and we'll see you tomorrow for day 16. 